Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have a very special episode for you today, and we're going to get right to it. I got a chance to sit down with legendary leadership author Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley to talk about their new book, Simple Truths of Leadership, 52 Ways to Be a Servant Leader and Build Trust. Let me tell you, this is an amazing book. I got a chance to read an advanced copy and I was blown away. I've read a bunch of leadership books over the past 30 years, but Ken and Randy really hit it out of the park with this book. I'm honored that they could take the time out of their busy schedules and talk to me about this book on this episode. Now, this book goes on sale on February 1st, but you will be the first to hear about it on this show. I know you're going to love this episode. So this is one you're going to have to share with all the leaders in your life. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley. Ken is a legend in the leadership space. He is co-author of more than 65 books, including the iconic The One Minute Manager, which combined sales of over 23 million copies. He was inducted into Amazon's Hall of Fame as one of the top 25 best-selling authors of all time. Randy is an Inc. Magazine Top 100 Leadership Speaker and contributing author of three books. His award-winning blog, Leading with Trust, has influenced over 4 million viewers since its inception. So I am honored to have both of them on the show to talk about their new book, which is called Simple Truths of Leadership. So Ken and Randy, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be with you. Thank you, John. It's a real pleasure. Well, it's great uh, having you on the show, and congratulations on this new book. I love it. I've been through it, and I'm excited to talk to you guys both about it today. So, um, first of all, I want the, my question to you is, uh, why did this book need to be written? And I imagine part of it is in the subtitle, Making Common Sense Common Practice. Why did this book have to be written? Well, you really nailed it, uh, uh, Ron, because... Uh, one of my experiences over the years is that, that good uh, leadership theory is common sense organized. And I really wonder why people, uh, they might go through training, but they don't ever use it, you know. And initially, I started writing a book entitled, Duh, Why is in Common Sense Common Practice? And, and uh, I've become a big fan of servant leadership. And then talking with Randy, uh, servant leadership and trust go hand in hand. And so, Randy, let's do this thing together. Uh, and our publisher said that duh doesn't translate in foreign countries. So <laughs> that's why it's the simple truths of leadership. You know, 52 ways to become a servant leader and, and build trust. <laughs> Although we still lovingly recall, uh, refer to it as the duh book, you know, when we're talking among ourselves, because it that really captures the spirit of 
hey, folks, these are common sense leadership principles, but they're not common practice. But right. we're trying to help you and show you how. Yeah, I think that's, you know, and you mentioned it in the introduction. I think this is a big point in a lot of my books and the things I talk about is that we still have 65 to 70% of our employees are disengaged at work or they're not actively engaged in work. And yet we've had 15,000 books written on leadership, right, to date. And our level of knowledge has never been higher, Mm -hmm. but our level of practice remains so low. So why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, I think the big thing is is the human ego, Mm. Uh, because I think that uh, what people do is they get caught up with uh, acting like they know everything and they're the most important thing and they want everybody sucking up the hierarchy. And but what we found and we've talked about this, Randy and I, that you remember the guy that wrote years ago, I'm okay, you're okay. He said the worst life position is I'm okay, you're not. And he said, but his studies show that people with that life position are really covering up not okay feelings about themselves. And I think the biggest problem in leadership is for people to feel comfortable uh, with themselves, you know, because humility is a real key function. We talk mm-hmm. about that in the book and that great quote, I don't know whether it was C.S. Lewis or Rick Warren or myself or who it was. But they said people with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. And that's the key, don't you think, Randy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And building on what Ken said there, John, is leadership is a complex field, right? But it doesn't have to be complicated. And there's a key difference there between something that is complex, which means there's a lot of parts and pieces to it, but complicated is we we make the complex too difficult to manage and utilize, you know, and and I think that the field of leadership has really become complicated. Like you said, you know, 15,000 titles published a year, you know, on leadership. <laughs> and that, that's insane, right? Yeah. But yet, when you boil down all those things and all the books, and Ken has been the guru at this over his lifetime, it keeps coming back to simple truths, right? It's the key simple truths that if we can remember those and practice them, that's where we get the big bang for our buck. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I like the way this book is written, because I think you boil it down to 52 simple truths, and then you talk about how to apply them. And it's it's simple, it's straightforward, and it flows really well for new leaders and experienced leaders. Everyone's going to get something out of this book. At least that's my, you know, me going through it. It's a very good book, and I like the way it's written. Talk to me about this. It's written in two different parts, right? So you have two major uh, elements that are in this book that are you know, half the book is written one way, half the book is written another way. Tell, tell me about those two parts and why those are so important and essential to leadership. Well, we felt that uh, we needed to build on our strengths. And my excitement is around servant leadership and Randy's is around trust. And so that's why we divided the book up, because uh, great servant leaders build trust and people who build trust <laughs> have a servant heart. You know, it's not right, Andy. Randy, yeah. they go together. Like, yeah, they they simply go together. One of our friends, Charles Green, who's a, uh, the author of the Trusted Advisor book and a you know a guru in the field of trust. When 
when we asked him to review our book, he said, you know, Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley, baseball and Cracker Jacks, peanut butter <laughs> and jelly, servant leadership and trust, they just go together, you know, yeah. and uh, they're two symbiotic concepts that are just part of this virtuous circle that people who have a service approach to leadership want to be there to serve the needs of the people under their charge, they build trust by the very fact of the types of behaviors and the attitudes, the mindset and the skill set that they have. So um, the insider secret, John, is that actually there are some truths that ended up in the servant leaders section that were originally in trust and some that were in trust that ended up in servant leader. And that, that shows how connected they are. So uh, even though Ken took the lead on servant leadership and I took the lead on trust, we really collaborated through the whole book to come up with all 52 simple truths. Yeah. No, I think 52 is really designed that way. So you can read one a week with your people, you know, or it's in, I think five sections, you could take a section and read it, but it's one that you said, if you give it to your people, uh, what easy the conversations you can have versus some 350 page heavy duty uh, book, you might say, hey, let's take a look at why catching people doing things right is really important. Let's talk about that this week and how we can do that. And, you know, and, and then Randy will say, well, you know, who who begins trust the leader or the followers you know and oh that's an interesting one <laughs> yeah and i think ken you, you know you're a master of this but i think making a book that's 170 pages or so is more likely it's going to get read and applied than if it is 300 pages and i know you know throughout your your history you've written a lot of books like that that are easily easily read and easily applied and i think that's the secret to this book is it it's 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 quick to go through. It doesn't take a long time to go through it. And there's so much power. And, and you know, as an author myself, it's hard to do that, to summarize really important thoughts in, into, you know, in, into a small uh, package like this where it can be, you know, read quickly and applied quickly. And I think that's really one of the things I like about this book is that it's not something that you have to, you know, uh, plan on, okay, I got to spend the whole weekend reading this book. You can do it in, like you said, one a week or in sections. And I think that's an important part of this book as well. And each, yeah, truth, each truth is uh, in two pages facing each other, you know, yeah. versus a simple truth on the left hand. And the right hand starts off with, you know, like take catching people doing things right. Well, I when I ask people, you know, how they know whether they're doing a good job, the response I normally get is nobody's yelled at me lately. <laughs> no news is good news, you know. And then yeah. we say, you know, now, how do you take this simple truth? And as you said, everyone ends with how do you make common sense, common practice? Yeah. Like your, your point, John, really speaks to what we discussed earlier about us having a tendency to overcomplicate things, mm. right? As an author, you know, and anyone who has done any kind of writing, whether it's a term paper for school or, you know, a memo or anything, the hardest thing to do as a writer is to take stuff out, to cut stuff out, 
right? It's because it's all so wonderful and valuable and we want to share all of our thoughts and, you know, the whole enchilada, so to speak. And our publisher challenged us. They said, try to keep your simple truth explanation to 300 words. And and that took some work. As a longtime blog writer, I was a little more comfortable with that because, you know, blogs tend to be shorter and punchy and to the point. And of course, Ken has written in parables and, mm-hmm. and simple truths forever. So it, it took us a little bit, but we really hit our stride. And, and that goes to the point of, hey, folks, let's not overcomplicate this. There are some really simple truths about leadership. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Focus on that and, and uh, you'll be successful. I love it. I love it. So I wanted to dive into a couple of the simple truths just to talk about them because I think they're really, uh, they're very, they're very important. And, and they're very, you know, I think, I think, like I said, this book will be helpful for those that are in leadership positions to think through these things. So one of the ones uh, that I like that you've got here, and I've always said, you can't take a cookie cutter approach to leadership. You say that a servant leader uh, realizes they have to use different strokes for different folks. And sometimes uh, different strokes for the same folks. So what does that look like when a leader is doing it right? Well, it, it, that's tied into our SL2 model, which is our situational approach to effective leadership, is that when you sit with people, it all starts with clear goals. Mm. You don't want to have more than three to five goals. But in each goal, the person might be at a different development level. In other words, they might have a different amount of competence and commitment or motivation there. And so uh, in some goals, uh, the people know more than you and you can delegate to them and they can call you uh, if they need anything. And others are, they might be brand new at that goal. They've never worked on finance before and all, and they might need a directive leadership uh, style. And so it's not only using different strokes for different folks, but different strokes for the same folks on different parts of their job. And that's really a powerful uh, thing because one of the things that Randy and I believe in firmly is with any theory, whether it's SL2, the woman of manager, anything, you don't do it to people, you do it with them. And you want to make sure they understand the theory. So when you're analyzing development level and determining which leadership style to use on each goal, the direct report or the person working with you, you're doing it together. Yeah, I like that. So one one of the terms you used in the book was, and, and I like this, and I wanted to hear more about it, which is autonomy through boundaries. What does that look like? Mm, that's a great one. That uh, comes from Ken's uh, work and our work on empowerment. And uh, he he wrote a book years ago with Alan Randolph and John Carlos called "Empowerment Takes More Than a Minute." And and the concept is is that um, if you think of a river. A river flows in a, in a direction because it's got banks that channels its energy. If you don't have the banks, you've just, that river becomes a puddle, right? It's just this body of water. And uh, boundaries really channel people's autonomy. People sort of think boundaries, oh, that means structure, rigid, you know, I can only do a certain thing. Well, no, with structure comes freedom. You know, people have a clear mission of yeah. of what their purpose is. And when it's time to call an audible or do something different, 
they clearly know, you know, what sort of inbounds and out of bounds and how to handle that. So that's, that's part of the philosophy behind that simple truth. What would you add, Ken? No, I think that uh, that kind of nails it, you know, because it, it really sets up the parameters in which people are working. And I think they really feel comfortable uh, with that, knowing what the boundaries are. And they also get excited when they know you're there to help them, not to, you know, beat them up because, hmm, you missed that boundary or you didn't. No, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're guidelines, not uh, penalty strokes. Yeah, I think I think you know as leaders we have to establish the goals, the mission, right, and then establish the boundaries, if you will, or the rules, you know, to mm-hmm. which we're going to operate in this business. But then you kind of have to get out of the way, right? I mean, part of it is establishing those boundaries so that you can get away and people know where they're, you know, where the guardrails are. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings, and I'm sure it's in the book somewhere, is <laughs> that that uh, the important thing about leadership is not what happens when you're there. It's what happens when you're not there, you know, and that's yes. where the real action is. And that's yes. where the boundaries are the guys when you're not there. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. So uh, in, in one section, I love this because I'm a big Jim Collins fan. You, you do bring up uh, Jim Collins' work on Level 5 Leaders, and you talk about these leaders uh, who have this powerful mixture of personal humility and professional will. And so you mentioned um, ego being a problem when we started this off. You also talked about humility being important. Um, wh- why is this critical for servant leaders to have this mixture of personal humility and professional will? What do you think? Go ahead. About go ahead. Yeah, you, you go ahead. I'll well, let you take the lead on that. Well, it's a, uh, it's just they're just so so key, you know, and uh, and I'm a big fan of of his, you know. We've talked many many times and all, but uh, that uh, if you have people have the opportunity to to go with it and you know 
take their will and run with it and all. But but there's no <laughs> no boundaries. There's no kinds of things. You're you're really in in, in trouble. And uh, so uh, what you also want to make sure is that they don't get carried away and start you know patting themselves on the back uh, too much. And that's where the humility uh, comes in, so that uh, they can go for it and be a leader, but they do it in a humble, caring way where people really know this is a we deal, not a me. Yeah, yeah. I would add that that simple truth ties in very well with, uh, you know, our simple truth number 25, I think it is, of uh, Rick Warren's quote, right, from his book, The Purpose Driven Life. It's not about you. Yes. Servant leaders realize leadership is not about them. It's about the people that they are uh, serving and caring for. And, uh, you know, in Jim Collins's work, uh, I, I believe he used the analogy that, you know, level five leaders, when, when um, the team does well, the level five leader is looking out the window and giving credit to the team for all their great success that they do. But when things go bad, the leader is looking in the mirror and reflecting on what did I do or not do that hindered the team from achieving success. So uh, at the heart of a servant leader is caring more about the people you serve than about your own ego, your own needs. And I, I think that's a core component of, of level five leadership. Yeah. But a lot of people say, you guys talk about this, but one of your uh, simple truths is about uh, patting yourself on the back. That's okay <laughs> to toot your own horn. You know, yeah. Because yeah. of blowing your own horn. And that doesn't mean, you know, you're blowing your own horn at the expense of other people. But if the team is really winning, it's okay to say, God, this has really been fun for us to work on this thing together. And I'm a glad, I'm glad I'm part of this team and all. And so to pat yourself on the back is not a bad thing as long as it's not all about you and not about them and a, a me versus a we. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's funny as a servant leader my whole life and you know, I've led for 30 years is that when a team does succeed, the leader tends to get a lot of the credit and the accolades. Mm-hmm. And I always had the trouble of saying, it's not me. I didn't do this. I have a great team. They've done it. And here's how I engage the team. But it was always a funny, a weird thing for me getting recognized and awards. And, you know, and I'm always like, that's not, it's not, I, I didn't do it. I mean, this team did it. They just needed to be engaged and they needed to be they didn't have the right person. They had to have the, the the lighter fluid on the fire. And then once I once right. it was done, I just got out of the way and they did it, you know. And but it was hard for people to understand that because we are in an ego-driven uh culture and in big mm-hmm. corporations, egos are important. So they yeah. want it to be, oh, well, the, the leader did it. Well, the leader is the uh you know, the person that gets things going, but really it's the people that that drive the results. That's a good Isn't title. That- for, that's a good title for a book we could do, lighter fluid leadership. There you go. There you go. Watch out. Watch out. Here we go. Uh, But isn't that the paradox, John, of servant leadership? The the very thing that self-serving leaders are seeking, you know, the the gratification, the ego strokes, the, you know, the fame, the fortune, the publicity. 
it's the servant leader who actually ends up getting those things because they're putting the team first, right? And helping the team succeed. And, and it's, it's that universal principle of you'll, you'll reap what you sow, right? And even though the servant leader is not looking for the gratification, uh, it'll, it'll happen just by virtue of the good work that the team does. Yeah, no, I guarantee it. It's happened my whole career. I've my wife said, You've been dragged kicking and screaming up the corporate ladder. That was my that was my career, you know. <laughs> I just kept doing things and kept giving more and more responsibility. But I wasn't I wasn't out there looking for the next job. I was trying right. to do my job very well. And in the, you know, in the process, they were asked me to get, you know, do more and more. And I think that's something that people don't recognize. They think, well, if I'm humble and I have humility, then no one's gonna know about me. But that's that's just the opposite happens. Everyone's gonna know about you. Because right. of your reputation that you uh, and and but it's but what's interesting is that a lot of the other managers that worked beside me couldn't figure out what I was doing and and you know and, and it wasn't it it was the it was basic it was simple simple was simple truth, truths right? but simple it was just <laughs> but they were applied yeah yeah so, yeah interesting yeah so um, let's let's talk a little bit about the trust trust thing and um, the one thing I really liked uh, is what you said that. Um, Fear is an enemy of trust. Mm-hmm. Talk about that because I see that so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, in order for trust to flourish in a relationship, um, well, let me back up. For trust to even be necessary, there needs to be some sort of risk involved in a relationship, right? If if there's no risk involved, then that's that's a guarantee. That's a sure thing, right? Um, but if there's any element of risk that, you know, I may be harmed or criticized or ridiculed or taken advantage of, then trust is required. If there's any fear in that relationship, if you have any fear of being harmed, you're not going to extend trust to others. Mm-hmm. And that ties very closely with the, you know, complex idea of psychological safety, which is essentially. Do people feel safe to be vulnerable in an environment, mm. right? And trust needs to be present in order for that safety to be there. So uh, the encouragement to leaders is examine your team, your culture, your organization culture. If there are elements of fear involved, that's going to be working against your efforts to build trust and allow trust to flourish within your your environment. Yeah, I think too how managers deal with failure, like when when an employee fails <clears throat> and uh and it's an honest mistake, how are they treated? And um, you know, I know uh, in my first book I wrote about a manager who I had a major screw up as an engineer in the early part of my career and he backed me up because I he knew I was doing something that had never been done before. And I did fail and I failed very you know, majestically in front of everyone mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, spent a lot of money. And, uh, but we were doing something that was never been done before. And he backed me up, even though probably it risked his career, but he backed me up knowing I was doing something very difficult that had never been done before. And it, in, instead of hurting my career, he helped my career. He, he gave me a second chance to go in there and get the thing done. And we ended up mm. developing a product that had never been, you know, done before. We were the first to, to our market, made millions of dollars. But but the point is, is that he he had my back. And I think having, like you said, if you eliminate the fear, knowing you've got a boss that has your back and if you're doing something risky, 
you build that trust, you build that rapport. Mm -hmm. And I would do anything for that boss after that. There you go. I was going to ask you. A wonderful implementation strategy of that is Gary Ridge has built WD-40. Yeah. I write a book with him. And when he started as president, got over about 20 years ago, he said, in, in the future, there'll be no mistakes in WD-40. There's only learning opportunities. And yeah. so he said, what a difference. So he said, one of his people come in, boy, did we have a learning opportunity, which somebody really screwed up. And he said, okay, tell me about it. You know, what are we going to learn from this? Yeah. Just changing that whole concept from, from mistakes to learning opportunities. What a difference that mm-hmm. is. They, they have a 92% employee engagement score. Can you imagine? Nobody has those kind of scores. Oh no! Yeah, just the opposite. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, one of the one of the sim- simple truths that really stood out to me um, was was number forty five. It said the opposite of trust is not distrust; it's control. Mm-hmm. Wow! This is why do so many managers get this one wrong? This one is this one's really important. Yeah, this is one of my personal favorites. And whenever I speak to groups and train groups on building trust, this is always a light bulb, you know, moment for them. Um, I think a good way to illustrate the importance or the dynamic of control and trust is look at how leaders share information Mm. or don't share information. Right? How is information typically treated in organizations? Question to you: How is it typically treated? It, it, so I've seen two different ways. One is it's it's uh, you know a typical a good manager will share information. It'll be a good two way dialogue. The ones that are uh, that that don't trust their people, they're going to hold that information tight to the vest. So Damn. they. They don't. They don't give you access to upper management. They they don't give you all the information. They spoon feed you just a little bit at a time because they're trying. There's fear there, and they're trying yep. to control the message and control the information. Yes. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head there, John. Information is often through low trust leaders viewed as power. Right. Mm-hmm. It's control, and. When you see controlling type behavior in individuals, that should clue you into, oh, that person has some challenges around trust. Mm -hmm. They're not wanting to extend trust to others. So therefore they're playing all their cards close to the vest. You know, they 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 don't want to be transparent, they don't want to let people in. Um and so Uh, control is actually the opposite of trust because, as we talked about earlier, trust requires vulnerability and an extension of risk, right? You have to put yourself out there in the hopes that, uh, I'm sorry, there's my dog barking in the background there. We we have dogs on the show all the time. Yeah, (laughs) dogs on the show. I'll ask my son, hey, Matthew, could you close the door? (laughs) Great for a podcast interview, the dog barking the age of covid right it is of, yes uh, i have working two golden, from home i have two golden retrievers that, that make appearances on the show all the time so <laughs> uh, that's awesome. my my apologies so okay. uh yeah when uh controlling behavior is evident that should clue people in hmm, that's the opposite of trusting behavior yeah no i love that yeah. Yeah. so um 
So, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, this book, you're, you're, you know, we, I mean, I think you say in the introduction, you probably agree with this is that the world needs servant leaders who are trusted by employees, right? That's, that's the real core of this book. Yeah. Uh, and um, so what are your hopes for this book as it gets out there, as people read it, what are your hopes? Uh, what, what are you, what are you hoping this book will do? Well, I hope that it's going to really give people the whole philosophy of leading that's simple yet powerful and uh, that we've broken the pieces up, up and they can take a look and chew one at it all, not, not, not throw the whole thing at them, but it'd be a way to have a constant dialogue with you and your people about leadership and about how you can work together. And, and also uh, we're just uh, excited about it. We just think it's gonna be a great team building uh, book, uh, mm-hmm. not one that you're going to read by yourself and say, mm, now I have all these goodies, you know, because it's going to be two or three secrets are going to, s- simple truths that are going to say, idiot, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we really believe that the world is in desperate need of a new leadership model and a different approach to leadership and servant leadership is that answer. And everyone also deserves a leader that they can trust. You know, I think in order for us to have healthy, vibrant, thriving organizations, whether that's corporations, sports teams, community groups, churches, whatever. Families. <laughs> families, we need to have high trust relationships. That's the foundation of any healthy and successful relationship. And if Readers of this book can uh, pick up a few of these simple truths that they've probably learned at some point in their life and have either forgotten or just neglected to apply. If they can pick these up and put them into practice, they're going to see positive results. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. So the book, uh, it's uh, The Simple Truths of Leadership. And for those on YouTube, you can see it. I'm holding it up right there. So it comes out on February 1st. Is that correct? That's right. That's yeah. Correct. Yep. Okay. It's so, available for pre-order uh, if, if people listen or view this prior to February 1. But yep, it's available now. So where can people go to get the book? Well, you can go to Amazon. You can go to KenBlanchard.com. You can yep. go to you, you probably. <laughs> we yeah. hope that it's going to be a, a giveaway book so that, that you can go to friends and relatives. And yeah. Say, How did I get that book. <laughs> uh, uh, a simple, keeping it simple, a simple starting point is go to simpletruthsofleadership.com. That's uh-huh. our book website. Visit there. And from there, you can launch to a number of different booksellers. You can see a video of Ken and myself sharing the premise of the book and why we wrote it and how you can use it and uh, get in contact with us if you would like to do that. But simpletruthsofleadership.com. Oh, that's great. We'll put uh, links in the show notes for that. And again, I I highly recommend uh, everyone who's listening in, you've got to get this book. It's Simple Truths of Leadership, 52 Ways to Be a Servant Leader and Build Trust. And I will, I will say the other subtitle because I like, I love this, Making Common Sense common practice. And Ken and Randy, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all this. I am excited about this book and I'm excited about what I think it's going to do for people going forward. So thank you. Well, thank you, John. It's just been great to be with you. That's for sure. Yeah, Yeah, it's been great. 
I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, I got this my, dad. my name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.